Like a backstage pass to the world of fly fishing travel, this is Waypoints, the podcast of destination angling. News and events, helpful travel tips, destination profiles, great stories, and expert advice from some of the most seasoned and experienced names in fishing travel. Waypoints is brought to you by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures, the industry's number one specialty travel company for the very best insider knowledge, logistical support, and trip preparation. Freshwater or saltwater, international or domestic, Yellow Dog has you covered for your next fishing adventure. And now, your Waypoints host, Yellow Dog founder and director, Jim Klug. Mike Taylor is the co-owner and director of operations of Fins West, a unique company in the outdoor industry that provides wilderness first aid courses and emergency action plan development for fishing lodges, outfitters, and guides. He has combined his profession as a paramedic with his background as a professional fly fishing guide to create a much-needed, oft-overlooked service for the travel industry. Taylor joined us on an early episode of Waypoints four years ago, and he's back today to discuss how we, as traveling anglers, can better prepare for emergency medical situations and avoid accidents and emergencies when traveling. He's going to share with us some real-life emergency events, talk about key pieces of medical gear to bring along when traveling, what to do when the unexpected occurs, and the importance of having a plan when traveling off the grid or to distant waters. Taylor, welcome back to Waypoints. Hey, man. Jim, thanks for having me down, buddy. Well, you first joined us for an episode four years ago, so we were definitely due for another conversation, really about a topic that is so incredibly important for the traveling angler, and it's awesome that you took the time to come in and sit down with us today and impart your wisdom on our listeners. (laughs) Right. Like I said, I'm glad to be here. Well, we're going to be discussing some real-life scenarios and examples But before we launch into those stories, give us a quick overview of your business and the services you provide. How essentially would you describe your profession? Well, by profession, I'm a paramedic, um, remote site paramedic. Um, We've got sort of two different companies. Uh, One side, we do contracts and provide remote medical support for projects in remote locations. Um, We've got a contract down in Antarctica. We've worked up on Everest, that kind of stuff. And then while we're here today, we have Fins West, which uh, provides custom wilderness medicine courses and first aid courses for outfitters, lodges, their guides, staff. And then we do an emergency action plan for the operation. Well, that's pretty in-depth. <laughs> you got a lot going on. Yeah, it's busy. Well, you, you'd get to travel the country, Mike, and at times the world, teaching wilderness medical courses to lodges and guides and other businesses. Um, let me ask you this before we, we jump into some real-life stories. Um, are there lodges, you know, from your experience and the places that you have um, been, are there lodges that are truly prepared for on-water and field emergencies? I mean, for instance... We work with a couple hundred different destinations. We send people out all over the world, 38 different countries. Are there ones that that literally check the box as far as being dialed in and prepared if something were to go wrong? Absolutely, especially if we've been there. (laughs) But yeah, there are some that are 100% dialed, ready to handle anything, you know, at their level of care for sure. And then, man, (laughs) there's some that are not. Well, how many operations would you consider legit? Put like a random percentage number on it when it comes to medical training or preparedness. Let's say if there's 200 established fly fishing lodges out there, how many are in that upper level of preparedness where their guides and their staff have a clue on what to do when things go wrong? 
Klug, that's a tough one, man. Um, you say 200. I'm going to, just so I don't get in a lot of trouble, I'm going to say half. All right. And I'm pushing the envelope there because there's some that I don't know that they may or may not. That, that's actually a higher number than I expected. Well, it's a higher number, period. I just wanted to be kind to the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, aside from specific guide and lodge training, how can your teachings and, and, and the lessons that you provide to people, how can they specifically apply to the traveling angler? I mean, I'm saying this in the first two minutes of this program. Why should people keep listening? Yeah, totally. Because A, being prepared, thinking about, you know, if something were to go wrong, makes up for days, weeks, months of losing out on the trip, ending up, ended up in a hospital. I mean, it just... To be prepared and, and, and be able to handle stuff could save their trip. I mean, that, there you go. And your life. Well, yeah, but I won't get that deep. But we've got scenarios where that exact thing happened. I mean, I, I hate to say it, a life being saved, but that was the truth, right? Yeah, absolutely. Having the plan, and we're going to talk about that. Well, in our early episode, Taylor, we talked about some common medical emergencies that are likely or, or possible that they can occur in the field, as well as certain types of situations that can routinely kind of put traveling anglers at risk. For this episode, however, we're going to get a little more specific. And what I want you to do is I want you to tell us some stories, talk about some actual scenarios and situations that happen, that you have experience with, things that have occurred while on the water, oftentimes off the grid. You present the real-life scenarios. You break it down, kind of the ingredients of it. We'll then talk about how the emergency unfolded, what the people who were involved did right or wrong in the situation and what the outcome was, right? Uh, you can then apply some of your experience and wisdom and advice for each of these situations, play a little armchair quarterback, right? And, uh, and we can perhaps help people avoid similar mistakes or outcomes in the future. How's that sound? Man, that's great. And this is the best way to at least <laughs> people don't have to hear me just be random. We can do specific, and these things actually happen. I mean, either we were involved or being at lodges, we've heard these stories. Right. So, yeah. Well, we're going to talk about a few different scenarios. Scenario one, tell us about this one. Describe it. All right. So we'll start out on the light side on this one. Um, but again, the outcome could not have been good. So couple head to the Bahamas just for a normal flats fishing trip. You know, they've been before. They're not super experienced. But, you know, this is a lodge trip, by the way. Um, and day one, waiting the flats. They'd fished off the boat for the first part of the morning. And then in the afternoon after lunch, they headed out on foot, which we all dig doing. And on the way back to the boat, the, uh, the lady, um, with a couple stepped on some coral and some marl and cut just the bejesus out of her, of her ankle. She did have on flats boots or sneakers, one of the two, but it caught her up on the ankle for sure. Pretty bad, deep cuts. Um, and a coral cut and a coral cut, which is bad. Um, but, the guide knew what to do. I mean, and right there's step number one. And I will say that the actual couple actually knew what to do as well. But the guide had the first aid kit, brought her back on the boat. They stopped fishing. He cleaned and irrigated the wound, put on some antibiotic ointment. And when I mean irrigated, I mean, he just didn't put potable water over it. He irrigated it with an irrigation syringe. Because, I mean, man, coral, sand, virtue, there's just a bunch of mess out there. Um, cleaned it, wrapped it. And it was the end of, if I remember correctly, they didn't end their day, but it was at the end of the day because it was in the afternoon. So they decided to head back to the lodge. 
the guy checked up on them, passed on to the to the lodge that this had happened. And each morning and each evening, they clean antibiotic ointment, change bandage. They fish the rest of the week, no problem. So a positive outcome. Oh in yeah, situation. This, definitely. All right, what were the what were the takeaways? What were the lessons learned from this positive outcome? Yeah. So wounds and look. All of us sitting here, we've done it. I mean, actually, I did it yesterday, right? You you get a cut, you throw some water on it, you get a Band-Aid, but come on, we're we're here in Bozeman. Something happens, you can ease to the clinic. But is to irrigate, clean, get on it quick, make sure that, now granted, the guide had the kit here. So after taking care of it and antibiotic ointment, that's the first step. And then the, I think the more important step is follow up every day. Change the bandage, irrigate, antibiotic ointment. Just keep an eye on it. That's what they did, and they fished all seven days. Yeah, they, their trip was not really disrupted. They were in the game. They had a plan. They executed. It was probably the best possible outcome for something that could have gone really bad. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I will say this. That's one of the lodges we had been to and done the training. Well, there you go. All right. So, yeah. All right, so let's move on to scenario number two, a similar scenario, a little different outcome. Talk to us about this one. All right, cool. So uh, sort of opposite scenario, two dudes head to Belize, and I'm pretty sure it was Glover's, Atoll, um, a do-it-yourself trip. I think they did a couple of day trips here and there, just ranked it out, but they were out on uh, Glover's Atoll, and on day two, and I'm going to throw in some specifics so people can get a visual. They had fished in the morning, nothing. So they were breaking for lunch. Had kicked off their flats, boots, and sneakers, sitting up on the beach, and boom, tails popped up. So they're like, all right. Dude grabbed his rod, didn't put on his shoes, headed out, caught the fish, which I've got a great picture of that, but we'll get into that. Um, <laughs> caught the fish, fought the fish, all excited, coming back in, stepped on some coral, so similar. Um, cut his foot pretty bad, but here's the catch. Not as bad as the lady we just talked about. And remember, I've seen pictures, heard these stories. Um, they were stoked, walked back to whatever, cabana, tent, I don't underneath a picnic table, wherever they were living. Um, dude took a shower that night. D- said he didn't do nothing. He took a shower, put a Band-Aid on it, which didn't stick. It was on the bottom of his foot. Carried on, you know, that evening, threw on flip-flops, headed out. Cool, which people do. Woke up the next morning. Um... And red, little sore, no biggie, threw some water on it. They didn't have first aid kit. Okay, point number one. Um, I think they had some Band-Aids, they said, in like their DOP kit. And just went about the business. That's day two of this thing. Day three, this thing is now red, pussy, sore, hurt. And end of day three, they now had to get to a clinic. And they roll up to this clinic, and we're day four. No, I'm sorry. We're day we're day four. And this thing's infected. Not going to get into what it was, but infected pretty bad. Ended the trip. Red streaks oh, up the leg. Red, and I, great. I wish this is a podcast where we could show pictures. <laughs> red streaks up the – I mean, and it happened pretty quick in a 24-hour time. That was it. They were done. He couldn't bear weight. I mean, they stayed. They didn't know medevac, but that was it. He couldn't put his shoes back on. He was on antibiotics. So, yeah, not a good outcome for these cats. And and the point being that after a couple of days of fishing, this seemingly minor cut on the bottom of the foot, but again from coral, ended the trip. They're done. Disrupted the whole thing. Yeah, totally. And, I mean, you know, the other dude was fine, but now his buddy couldn't walk, and I, they were done. 
So lessons learned. What went wrong in this scenario? What 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 did they do that was all wrong? Yeah. So if we just look back to the first scenario, right? So they didn't do anything that those folks did, guide or no guide, right? Didn't have an appropriate first aid kit. Didn't take a little bit of time to clean the wound. Bandaged it up. It was on the bottom of the foot. So mm, let's bandage it up so we can put a flip flop on. Kind of chill. Check it the next day. Clean it again. No antibiotic therapy or therapy. Um, ointment right and that was it it started and look salt water infections especially from coral and everything in there uh, it goes quick so yeah and so lessons learned first aid kit clean it stay on top of it and i'm you know i can't see into the future but i'm pretty sure dude would have been fishing day three yeah had done it right yeah all right well let's change the page let's talk about a third scenario let's get a little more serious here talk to us about this one all right we're gonna we're gonna ramp it up for gnarly um, again, I guess we could throw that this is a good outcome and I want to be clear at this accidents do happen. I think everybody's cool with that. This scenario too <laughs> professional, I guess is the word. I mean, uh, two guys out on a day on the flats boat in Florida and they were in the back country and went fishing, came back to the skiff. Tide had dropped just a little bit. Right. And again, these are captains. Guides have been guiding for a while. Um, so they needed to get the skiff off this little sand mound that they spaced while they were fishing, um, started the motor first, uh, the guy that was in the water, pushed the boat from the back, He's from in the, the stern. back. Yeah. It's in the back, in the stern, put, no, but no, I take that back. He, the, the dude in the boat did not start the motor. He just bumped him forward. Motor not started. Cause well, they're not idiots. The guy in the water went 90 degrees to the boat, about 20 yards. So that's pretty safe, 90 degrees. Um, other dude cranked the boat up to see if they could, you know, blow out where they were. And when he went to put his safety lanyard on, which there you go, that shows you doing the He's right thing. He's looking down, trying to clip it to his shorts. Yeah, no, not even that. He just got it to go clip it, and it was wrapped around the throttle. So when he pulled it, the throttle went into reverse. When that happens on an outboard motor, the motor turned 90 degrees and went straight for dude. So they did everything right except for that one Freak simple accident. mistake. For, yeah, true accident. Well, dude, the guy got hit by the problem. The guy standing in the standing water pushing in, the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, from knee down to cap, just ripped his leg wide like a, open. Like a can opener. Oh, just boom, bad. I got pictures of that, too. <laughs> um, so it was bad. Severe bleeding. Um, you know, dude screaming in the water, but you know, he was in say knee deep water, right? So it wasn't like they were, um, so guy in the boat killed the motor, checked out what was going on. He actually, I mean, cause they had floated cause now that boat just ripped a hundred miles an hour, popped off the stake, the boat out. And this is going to be important here in a minute before he jumped out of the boat, shut the motor off, pulled the push pole, staked it out. So the boat wouldn't go anywhere, hopped out, grabbed the first aid kit in the water, applied the tourniquet. Uh, put the dude in the boat and called 911, not channel 16. That's going to be important too, but he picked up his cell phone, called 911, got with the dispatcher, plan was made, and then they rendezvoused with the sheriff marine unit. And other than the injury itself, man, things turned out okay. But a severe enough injury, I mean, had they not had comms, had they not known where to go, had they not had that medical kit, Guy could have bled to death. There's no two. He would have died. I mean, I, I've seen the pictures. I talked to him. I'm not going to say names. <laughs> I talked to him. I mean, and just looking at it. And then the follow-up afterwards with, obviously, the ER and the trauma guys, he would have died. 
So lessons learned on this situation. So obviously we described a, this was a legit mistake, right? I mean, we could go into, well, he should have looked at the kill cord before he put it on and blah, 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 but we won't go there. I mean, that that's, that's just an accident, but lessons learned. The dudes were knew where they were. They knew what to do. They had the first aid kit, the guy in the boat before going ape shit crazy and just jumping out of the boat, shut the boat down, stake the boat out. I mean, to me, when they told me that I was giddy because that's, that's part of the plan. Don't don't let the boat go away. Don't be a, another patient. Stake the boat out. Put the tourniquet on in the water, right? Didn't even hesitate. Put it on in the water. Took a deep breath. Knew, when I say this, how to get the guy in the boat. That's huge. Like when we do these courses and we do a scenario about we got to get somebody from water to the boat, everybody's like, shit, never thought of that. There, and there's a proper way to oh, do that. Yeah, there, I mean, you can come up and do it. I get it. But there's ways once you've been shown or told, you're like, all right, cool. I'll pack that away and hope I never have to do it. And I'm not talking about at the sandbar. I'm talking about somebody that just got ripped by a prop on their leg, right? Um, and then he knew that 16 wasn't going to do him any good. He had cell service. He knew he had cell service. He dialed 911. It was exactly where he was. They made a plan. It, it went right. Yeah. Other than his leg. Yeah. I mean, there out. was some healing process, but he lived. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, good outcome on that one. All right. Scenario four. Talk to us about this one. Okay. We're going to change from the salt water to the fresh water. Now. Yeah, totally. We, I had the, a great one that didn't go well, but I, which we just weren't going to talk about this one because <laughs> well, I was, a, it's known. Okay. Right. I think people would have known. What we're not we going to name names. No, yeah. but it, they would have known. All right. Similar, though. I'm trying to keep them similar as we can. So this is a backcountry trip, a walkway trip. Um, two two buddies. Um, one's a local, had an out-of-town buddy with him. Um, went to the parking lot at Small River, remote area. So they're, they're going to park at a trailhead and they're going to hike in to fish. Correct. And by the time this happened, they were hour, hour or so from the vehicle. Um, and the local dude from there, right. And little hint, the dude that knew where they were, what's going on, blah, 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 um, was going down to the river and trip branch sticking out, went through his waders, came up to his artery in his leg. Just again, freak accident. Right. And went right through his waiter. Boom. In the leg, dude, his buddy didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, and, and the guy who's now got this femoral bleed is wearing waders, right? He's, he's wearing waders. Correct. And he's not passed out, but it, it hurts. So he's screaming. His buddy's like, I mean, and these aren't 12 year olds. I mean, these are adults, but, but his buddy's not panicking cause he's not seeing a lot of blood cause it's all inside the waders. Well, his, I think his buddy's not panicking because I just think he's batshit scared to death. I mean, cause it's obvious again, we have pictures and I know somebody's going to write in on the comments, dude, how are these people taking pictures, man? People take pictures of everything. Um, so yeah, they, they didn't know poked him in the leg. The guy said, man, this hurts, whatever. I don't know what they said, but it was determined after a while, once they sort of sussed out the situation, there was panic actually that the guy said, man, I think I'm bleeding into my waders. Dude, how are we going to get these waders off? So right there, there was like no forethought of how are we get waders off in, a, in an injury. Um, so yeah, finally got the, the waders off. I mean, I, 
and I don't remember if they dumped the boots and pulled it or they cut it. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But I know that that process took a long time because they didn't even recognize what was going on. Pulled the waiters off. Dude was bleeding bad. Um, let me back up. I'm not 100% sure it was arterial, but looking back, because we kind of follow up. I've chose ones where I knew kind of what went on um, because we'll see what the guy did. If it was true arterial, I'm not sure it would have what he did would have worked. But again, I'm playing armchair quarterback. Anyway, sorry, not to be confusing. They did not have a first aid kit. Not, no, nothing. No kit at all. Not a thing. Not one thing. Um, so what the dude did watching some, I don't know, Bear Grylls mess, took a waiter belt and started with that first. Man, waiter belts are elastic, right? So he couldn't get it cinched down, but eventually did. So sort of stabilized there. But here's the thing. The dude didn't know where. I mean, there was a trail, but they were in the so back country. The non-injured guy yeah. is from out of town. Correct. He, doesn't, he didn't pay attention where he was going. He's just following his buddy. He doesn't know where he is. Right. Okay. But just to give this dude a little credit, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they rappelled down in this canyon. But what had just happened is he just put a tourniquet on his buddy. And he just, now he's freaking out, right? I'm not talking about screaming and hollering and running around in circles. He's just mentally, you know, holy shit, man. My, I just had to put a tourniquet on like twice because the first one didn't work. So he had no clue. Now, the other dude did not pass out. They were talking, but he was hurt, had lost some blood and so forth. So what ended up, the guy had to leave his buddy. I mean, there was, the dude couldn't get up. There was no way to get him out. So his friend was going to go for help. Yes. Go back to the car. Again, there was a trail. Again, they weren't like in the middle of the Amazon. Um, and he got back to the car and I'm telling you this, and this is why I chose this one. And it, again, these are true. He didn't have the friggin' car keys. And at the trail had still no reception. <laughs> oh, So no. he needed to drive to a place to where his cell phone worked, that- but he's. He well, but here, here's the thing, though. He did have his phone. The plan was to get to, his, to get to the car where there was reception, close by, call, and then do what he needed to do. But he didn't even have car keys. Okay. Didn't know where he was, right? And again, I guess the technology and cell phones, the pings, is great. But either way, uh, the point is he got there and didn't even have car keys to do, grab anything, water, food. And he was, again, it was 45 minutes plus back to the car, Right. So, yeah, that was a complete dumpster fire of an issue that was going on there. So, luckily, there was another, there were actually several cars, at the, but there was nobody there. They were fishing. Finally, somebody came up. Emergency service was contacted. They drove up the road. They did not have cell service, as it turned out, at the, so they, the other people drove up. A couple of people went back to this guy, and finally, emergency service showed up. And the, the time, because obviously, I, I pulled this back out before we did this total elapsed time to include the walk in and walk out. Cause there were 45 minutes plus it was like two hours, three hours before anybody even showed up to this dude. He could have medical care. Oh, well, yeah. And again, I'm, I, I can't say definitively if he would have, because yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get that much, but it doesn't matter enough to where the dude put a tourniquet on. Well, an improvised tourniquet. Right. So, takeaways here what are the lessons learned in this situation so again we're back to this plan clue right so and i i get it two dudes going fishing one's friends like me coming down and going fishing with you here i would i don't i think you would have done it too especially for an hour in i think there would have been the whole hey dude look no cell service here the keys are under the gas tank or they're in my pack we're going in about an hour remember there's no cell service hey dude do you have a first aid kit 
Believe it or not, that's it. I mean, that would have been, boom, first aid kit, tourniquet in there, put it on, deep breath, we're good, I'm running back, I've got the keys and phone. I mean, simple. Just quick conversation in the truck listening to the Wood Brothers on the way there. Having a plan. Having a plan. So, yeah. All right. Um, outcome, by the way, the the Belize dude, because I think this is important for folks, though. They stayed. He was on antibiotics. You know, they couldn't just book a plane. They just hung out. Everything was good. I mean, he was on antibiotics, but his trip was ended. Same here. This guy obviously went, no helicopter, went in by ground, and the, the, the dude's fine. Okay. So I just want to throw that out so people aren't freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> you got random families calling you with their loved one that's passed away being like, wait, were you talking about my husband? Right. Yeah. It's like, dude. <laughs> All right. So scenario five, give us this one here. All right. So we'll mix it up a little bit. Cause we've talked about, um, the, you know, more trauma kind of stuff, but I'll tell you the more common thing are medical issues. Cause you can't have a plan, but you know, now you're talking about medications. And so the plan has to be even better because you, it's not a first aid kit that's going to fix it. Unless you have the right meds, which, I mean, who does? All right, cool. Um, here we go. We got a couple's fishing trip again. Couple, you know, a couple of couples. Is that right? Yeah, a couple two of, couples. Two, we could say that. Two couples, yeah. thank you. You got to remember, I'm from Carolina there, buddy. Um, so not a resort trip, but they were staying. I mean, they weren't camping. They're right? in Mexico. Yeah, they're in Mexico, Yucatan. Okay. Um, day three, one of the one of the dudes, one of the males experiences a little bit of abdominal pain, stomach pain, and chalks it off to they've been eating street food, and I'm sure they've been slamming some tequilas and again, and just thinks it's sour stomach, eats some toms for you know the rest of the day. It's all good. Day four, it increases. To where they're like, shit, this does not feeling like the old Mexico shuffle at all. Um, symptoms were getting worse. So obviously where they were, there's no immediate medical support. And we can describe where they were, but th- there's nothing there. We've all been there. It's not important. You just know you're in a small village a couple hours away from any kind of medical. Oh, yeah. there was, no, And I'm not even talking about a witch doctor. There was nothing there, right? Um, so they said, all right, uh, we need to go. So now they had to wrangle up this plan to get two hours away to a, and I'm doing a, a air quotes on clinic. They're like, all right, cool. We're heading to a clinic. They get there. No, nah, man. I mean, it's a clinic, but y'all, you know, Mexico's a center block building with, I guess, an equivalent to a nurse, but not really. Does the evaluation, um, but says the important thing, no doctor. Oh yeah. No. I mean, yeah. this, this was a, I think the, the nurse gave him Tums, <laughs> but said, you got to go, you got to go to the big boys. Um, so they're like, shit. And it was severe at this point. I mean, bad pain. Cripplingly pain. Yeah. The yeah. dude, what, he wasn't going to get into a Yukon and drive up there with yeah. his, with these people. So a three hour drive by ambulance and dude, there was no, no paramedics, no advanced care on this hammock. So it's like, like, a taxi. <laughs> like the nurse, yeah, just jumped in and a bumpy ride and this dude's insane in pain. I mean, so they get to the hospital and where there is legit medical care, they determine that it's, uh, this is an operative procedure. This dude needed to, to get his go under the knife. Oh, Ben. Uh, bad and a bad one at that point that's it so they're in mexico but again additional three-hour transport for the surgery so now we're moving to like resort town medical type stuff it was a three-hour transport from there and it it was they were like dude we can't do this anymore we're gonna bring a bird in and they're like bird what 
So that was just, and so they couldn't navigate that. Like insurance, are you kidding me? Blue Cross Blue Shield, a helicopter in the Yucatan. Mm-mm. So again, they engaged. He got there. Everything's cool. Here's the follow-up, not lessons learned. He got it. the procedure done. Everything's good. Trip's over, right? Of course. Now he's got to get back home. So the outcome after all of that is that. It's probably drawn out and expensive at that point. Yeah. And look, the the first part of that, probably on the lessons learned, even if they had a plan, that was still going to happen. But everything that followed, zero plan. No. Took took longer than it should have. Um, there were more steps involved and he probably maxed out his visa when it was all said and done, just dealing with this and the whole process home. Oh yeah. And look, I can throw this out. I don't know if it's relevant, but it is. <laughs> These people had like a silver visa. Do you know what I mean? They had the means, even though it was a dumpster fire, they had the means to get it done. And just think people down there that don't have the means, yeah. I mean, just to whip out a card and say, just make this happen. They didn't. So yeah. So lessons learned. Um, give us some takeaways on this one. All right, cool. There and again, we we know this situation. There was absolutely no plan. And these are man, these are they don't like dirt bags. I mean, these are people like us. I mean, they had an opportunity to make a plan. Just normal middle class or middle aged middle class folks. Um, they didn't have a plan. Zero. They had no travel meds. So in other words, on a Mexico to the UK to the UK Yucatan. Should have popped in to see their local doc. I mean, I might go to a travel clinic, but just pop into their personal care provider and go, look, going to Mexico for two weeks, fishing. Something happens. What do we need to take? They could have hooked them up for sure. Um, and they relied on, again, remember that I told you they had that silver card, which it was, I'm not going to say because I think I'll get in trouble, but it was the one that's really heavy that says they have medical evac insurance, that whole <laughs> American Express thing. Um, they just said, we got that. I mean, that's great. These, it says in the fine print, we provide, you know, medical. Yeah, there was zero, zero help. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's worth noting, not to get too deep on that topic, but a lot of times, and people don't realize this, they look at their credit card benefits. It says, yeah, we provide medevac in the case of a travel emergency. Almost every time it's medevac from a major oh, yeah. city or a major hospital. That's right. If you're out in the boonies, if you're off the grid, if you are way down in some village five hours from a major city, international airport, i.e. big hospital, none of that is covered until you get to that big city. That's right. And that's a really important stipulation that a lot of people don't realize when it comes to credit card medevac insurance coverage. Sure. And look, we could take one step further and just talk about your medical insurance. I mean, like some good providers have that little small print about covering international travel, man, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. Ninety nine point eight percent of the time. Yeah, you're going to be paying out the nose <laughs> right. when it's all said and done. Or you're going to die. Yeah. Well, that person <laughs> survived, but yeah. it was not cheap and it was not easy, and it, it could have been a lot more streamlined for sure. Totally. Totally. Right. Scenario six. I think we're done with scenarios, aren't we? No, we're going to head right to this one, and this is going to be my favorite. So, of course, this was a the, the one we just talked was a bad outcome. Clue. You have a personal scenario incident we can talk about. Tell us about it. You're going to make me tell this story? I am, and we'll break it down, and I will hammer it, even though this had a great outcome. Let's hear it. All right. So uh, this is a story that happened several years ago. It was in the middle of the jungle in Bolivia. Um, We were down with our good friends fishing out of the Samani area with Untamed Angling. Um, We chose to do an exploratory, like, 
major upriver multi-day trip where we left the lodge. We went upriver in kind of a Cayuga, which is like a 30-foot dugout wooden canoe that's 30 feet long and it's about 24 inches wide. <laughs> so you're all sitting single file. There's five people. There's two Somani indigenous guides that are the boatmen and they basically pull the boat with like a 25-foot um, mangrove type pole. And they're pushing the boat off the rocks as you're going up and down the current. There's a an Argentine fishing guide. And then there's my buddy Chris and I. So there's five of us in this boat. We go all the way upriver, probably 30 miles upriver. So give me a time. How um, far up? So it took us several days to get up there. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're camping and we're fishing our way up. And then we start fishing our way back. And we finally are on the last day before we're headed back to the lodge. And eight, we're in this boat. Eight hours? To the lodge uh, at this point? Probably more like four hours because it's late in the day. Gotcha. So we had been coming downriver, downriver. Now we're just we're just getting back to the lodge. And what would happen is you'd be in these calm sections and they have a little outboard on the back of this Cayuga, this wooden dugout, and they would run it through the flat sections. Then they would get to these rapid sections and they would shut the motor off. And that's when the two Somani Indians would kick into action. One would be on the bow, one would be on the stern. And they had these giant 20-foot push poles probably about three inches in diameter. And as the boat would shoot through these rapid sections and these currents, these guys are basically using the push poles on either side to just keep you off the rocks and keep you in the main current so you're flowing down. So one of the uh, Indians is in the front on the bow. I'm sitting right behind him. Fishing guide's in the middle. My buddy's behind him. Then the last uh, Indian guide is on the stern. So five of us, single both, file. Both of them with a pole, pushing off yeah, rocks. bow and stern, uh-huh. front and back with a pole. So the guy in the front of the boat, we're shooting through this rapid section, big rocks on both sides, fast current. He pushes off the rocks and the pole gets wedged in the rocks. Mm. Now he needs this pole to navigate the boat. So rather than saying, pole stuck, I can't get it out and letting it go, he holds on to it and he keeps trying to force it out of the rocks. Well, meanwhile, the boat's moving down the current pretty quickly. He's holding on to it, holding on to it, holding on to it. And this thing loads up and bends like a bow. And it gets to the point where he can no longer hold it. And it slips out of his hands and comes shooting back. Now, I'm, you know, looking at parrots or looking at the trees or whatever. I'm not even paying attention. It's like someone took a, a baseball bat with a full swing. It came shooting back. I'm sitting on that front seat. It hits me across the bridge of the nose, across both eyes, and it hits with such force that it knocks me out of the boat, into the white water, and I'm done. I'm out. I'm completely unconscious. Best Um, story ever. And (laughs) the next thing I know, I'm coming to on the bank of the river. I feel like someone has jabbed a knife into my right eye. Now, what I didn't know is I went into the white water. I'm unconscious. Fast-moving water. The Argentine guide jumps in. They get the boat over to the side. He pulls me out of the water, drags me up onto the bank. I'm completely unconscious. Um, When I do come to, we've now got a serious issue. I've got, um, you know, broken eye socket, broken nose, cracked skull, and my right eye, it hit on the orbital a part of the eye and it caved the eye in and not only am I in excruciating pain, but I'm blind. I'm blind in both eyes because the trauma that it hit with such force that I, I lost my sight. Yeah. And swelling, right? 
Oh, I mean, seen pictures. It was insane. Yeah. It was, it was, as you said I've earlier, got, got, everybody takes pictures, yeah, right? Pictures. Yeah. So there were pictures. Um, but we are now on the side of the river. Um, it's getting dark. We're still probably four, four miles hours, from camp. Four hours on the, by water. Yeah. And things are serious. And we've got a, a major trauma situation at this point. And I remember, aside from the excruciating pain, that when I look back on this, the first thought I had was literally, are you effing kidding me? Like, these are the stories I hear from you. These are the stories that happen to other people. I'm in this industry. I've been all over the world. I've done crazy stuff. This doesn't happen to me, right? Dude, this is bad. I mean, this is bad. It's serious. It's serious. At this point, and and I have to give props to that team that was there. I'm with my buddy, Chris, who's uh, from Bozeman here. He's one of the most level-headed guys I've ever traveled with. Just rock-solid. Um, one thing, and, and we had discussed this ahead of time, he knows I always have a sat phone in my kit, no matter where I go. We keep a basic first aid kit with us. Um, and he jumped into action. By the time I woke up, he already had that sat phone out. He had called Global Rescue. They had quickly patched him through to an eye trauma specialist at Johns Hopkins and he's triaging, assessing the situation as I'm finally regaining consciousness, already diagnosing it and talking to an expert on the sat phone who's now telling him what the next steps are. So look, let me ask you a quick question. I mean, obviously I know the answer, but the people out there don't. Prior to getting kicked to calling GR or on the phone with GR, they uh, didn't they also sort of walk him through sort of the assessment to make sure, not just your eye, but sort of walk through to make sure everything was good, you were breathing. Oh yeah, had to stay out of the water. That's right. Does he have a pulse? Yeah, they, they go through the whole deal. It's like we're going to get to the eye injury in a second, right? But is his airway clear? That's right. Is he breathing? You know, is he conscious now? And so yeah, they go through the whole step. And Perfect. again, I can't think of a, a better person to have on that than um, Fernando the guide and and Chris, my buddy, who is with us because he's just again he's rock solid. Yeah. And so he's doing this and. You know, we've got a problem, right? We're still pretty far from camp. It's getting dark. We've got a severe situation. Um, but he knew what to do. And we're in comms immediately because we had that that option. And from there on, it was, it was just following directives. Sure. I mean, dude, of all the scenarios and, and all the, that, that's about the, and as you know, we had just started. When, when was that? This is about six years ago, yes. seven years ago. So a little bit before, I remember when this went down and I asked, I said, dude, can I use this scenario in teaching? Because, man, this is the epitome of remote trauma stabilization. It, it's the best uh, at your expense. I'm sorry, but <laughs> but yeah, so. I'm glad I could help. Yeah. And man, that could have gone so sideways. Oh, I mean, like I'm not just talking about your eyesight. I mean, the I'm concussion t- that oh, I was dealing with, yes. the, the broken bones in the face, yeah. and completely blind. By the way, well, that's I had right. lost vision in both eyes, um, and we still had to get back to camp. And that was just to the the lodge, <laughs> and then we had to work on the evac plan, right. which was a multi you know step flying in a horrific rainstorm to get back to Santa Cruz, the hospital in Santa Cruz, then a, a medical evac from Santa Cruz, Bolivia back to Miami, which is where Global Rescue was was incredible. And, and, you know, we do thousands and thousands of trips a year. 
we talk to people about the importance of global rescue and, and having a medevac plan. And people ask me, they're like, well, I mean, are they really legit? Do they do what they say they're going to do? Well, they let come me, through let and I'm like, let me tell you a story. Yeah, let me tell you a story. Like, yet, look at this picture. Yeah, as a matter of fact, yes, they <laughs> That's do. That's right. And, and that was it. I mean, it was, as you said, Taylor, it was as bad as it could have been in the worst possible place for it to happen. But because of those connections and having that plan, having global rescue in your corner, having a, a fishing companion and a fishing guide who had discussed, you know, emergency type scenarios, having that sat phone, having that first aid, you know, field medical kit with us, best possible outcome. That's right. And it's imperative. I mean, especially where you were, but I'm going to tell you that some people don't are not prepared. I don't know how to word it, but even in that situation, I mean, you would think, my God, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're three days up a river. Do we have a plan? <laughs> but yeah, man, that's great. It. Well, thanks for making me relive that. I really appreciate that. Well, I, did, I hadn't heard it in a while. That's great. I mean, as you, if, you, if people go to our website, you see Jim's picture on there. With the thing. Yeah, my head all bandaged <laughs> yeah. up. I, I did eventually regain... Uh, Pretty quickly, within a couple of days, regained sight in my left eye. It took weeks for the right eye, but uh, got back to Miami. They got me to, you know, eye specialists at um, at the at the serious eye institute there in Miami, and uh, it was great. It, it also helped my father-in-law as an eye surgeon, and he called in a bunch of favors. And when I got off that plane in Miami, there was a team waiting. It was it was pretty awesome. Sweet, yeah. good, and see, there's there's the follow-up and outcome that when things work out. Well, man, I'm sitting right here having a drink, talking to you on the. On this podcast. And, and I only see double, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I've, so, I've tried yeah. to get you to look over here at me a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Well, all interesting scenarios and some great takeaways for our listeners. Let's take a quick break to hear from some of our sponsors. We'll be right back with more from Talo. This is Jim Klug, host of the Waypoints podcast. Experienced travelers know that gear and equipment selection is everything, especially when you're headed to remote and distant destinations. For more than 20 years, the team at Fish Pond USA has been setting the standard when it comes to luggage design for the traveling angler, with craftsmanship that incorporates sustainable fabrics and functionality derived from decades of experience. When I'm traveling the world or scouting new destinations, I'm traveling with Fish Pond gear, from waterproof duffels to chest packs to all sorts of accessories that make me more effective in the field and on the water. When you take the road less traveled, make sure you're traveling with the very best luggage and accessories. Visit fishpondusa.com to learn more. Waypoints is sponsored by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing. After 24 years in business, Yellow Dog is excited to announce that we've expanded our travel and booking business to now include a full lineup of equipment, fly, and tackle solutions for the world of fishing. We made the decision to expand into retail to ensure that our traveling clients have exactly the right flies, gear, and apparel for every destination we offer, be it a fishery close to home or an exotic destination on the other side of the planet. We all know that having the right gear specific to your destination is crucial. Yellow Dog can now pair the most relevant travel and worldwide fishing information with the perfect fly and equipment options for our entire lineup of destinations. Visit the new Yellow Dog website at yellowdogflyfishing.com and let's make your next adventure great. All right, Taylor, so we're back. And one of the things that has been a common denominator in all of these scenarios and situations that we just talked about was the importance of having a good field medical kit 
on hand and available when, when a problem arises. Let's talk about the ideal travel medical kit and what that might include for the traveling angler. So for instance, if you're headed out of the country, if you're, you know, you're leaving home, whether it's a, a domestic hike into, a, you know, a, a backcountry river, or you're going halfway around the planet to a distant atoll or to, to a jungle, um, what are some of the things that you recommend as far as having an emergency kit? Cool. So first and foremost, I'm going to say pack your common sense first. I mean, right off the bat. Um, and then no matter what you buy or put together, know how to use it, right? That is just some advice because it's pointless to go to REI or somewhere and buy a kit and go, okay, I got a kit and throw it in if you don't know how to use the thing. And you don't know what's in it. Well, that's right. I mean, check it out, look at it. And if you don't know what it is, well, no, go to, don't go to YouTube. Just take a course from somebody. <laughs> Um, but look, I think the most important thing that we talked about a, a lot of trauma and what you want to do, uh, you know, without getting too deep is you've got to be able to handle somebody that has severe bleeding. So you got to know how to manage it. So a tourniquet is hands down. You don't leave home without it and please God know how to use it. Right. And it's pretty straightforward. So you need that type of stuff to be able to control bleeding for sure. Um, outside of the trauma stuff, as we've learned day to day care, a small cut wading on the flats. So carry some wound uh, wound care stuff. You got to be able to irrigate a wound, take care of it over multiple days, be able to bandage it up over multiple days. So that's kind of your next little module. And then when we talk about meds, of course, if you're going to do a little backcountry hike, you know, around Bozeman or out in the, you don't need to go see your doc. But if you're going further afield, pop in and see your doc or your care provider and get something for pain. If you're going deep, like these folks in the UK can, get some antibiotics. Simple antibiotics, they're simple to explain from the doc. You know, just not complicated that you can pop and then get the medical care. If you're going to India to go gold monsieur fishing, maybe bring some Cipro. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Well, and I mean, when you're going that deep, you yeah. should roll into a, a travel clinic yeah. or go see your doc and have a list of things. But just normal stuff. Pain, I mean, pain makes things 10 times worse. If you can control some pain, have some pain meds, and then, of course, your antibiotics and your daily stuff, stomach aches, just your diarrhea, your normal kind of stuff you have at home. So have a kit. That's step one, have the right kit. Right. But two, know what's in it. And three, know how to utilize what's in that kit. That's, that's so important. 100%. And, and you said it. I mean, that's step one. That you know, If nothing else, do that. But... If you really want to be dialed in and ready, and this is super applicable for destination anglers that really like to get off the grid, you said it a moment ago, take a class, take a course so you at least have some knowledge to fall back on. You have a little bit of a comfort level. Um, you probably won't ever need to deploy that knowledge, but if you do, you got it. You got it. And listen, I'm going to add, I'm going to add to that. I don't care if you're not going abroad. Just go take even, I don't care what, what you take, a first aid, one day first aid CPR class. It, it, you can take more legitimate courses, but just that one day adds to the, adds to the plan bank a hundred percent. Just go do it. Take a Saturday to, to go rip a course and you're going to know the major stuff. Let's say you're fishing with a buddy who's injured. Let's say you are on the river in the backcountry and you come across a trauma scene or a medical situation. Give us some advice on how you keep an injured person calm during an intense medical situation. 
Yeah, that's easy. You, you just need to keep your shit together. I mean, that's it. And people do it. I mean, even the least likely folks can just, if they keep it together, everything goes a lot better, right? And to add to that, how do you keep it together? Take a course. Because yeah. <laughs> you feel confident. I mean, you may not know everything, but at least it's not the first time you've seen this. Even in a scenario, you got this mental snapshot. But just keep calm and just deep breath. When you're calm, it helps the, the, the victim That's right. stay calm. It's a big it's a big factor. Yeah, huge. No doubt about it. Well, where can people go to get up-to-date and accurate information, Taylor, on current health risks in other countries, things they need to be thinking about? And, yeah, we talked about the trauma situation. We also talked about, you know, the med situation. If you want to, you know, bring certain prescription medications or whatever, how can they find this information before they travel? Sure. And, again, uh, the catch-all, love it or hate it, I don't care, CDC. Um, and it's not that the CDC is cranking this information out, but it's a catch-all. So you can go to the CDC and look at the State Department. You can bring down um, the, uh, what is it, U- USA Medical drop-down, where it talks about where the hospitals are, what the and then even to the security level. So, again, it's a clearinghouse. It's not them making the, the deal. And then, as we all know, you have a GR membership, man. You've got the app. You click on anything you want to know about where you're going from hospitals to security threats to all that stuff. It, it's with that as well. I mean, it sounds like we're plugging them, but, I mean, we should. Well, we should, and, and Global Rescue is a good one. Um, uh, Red Point slash Ripcord is, yep. is, is another option. But let's let's end on that. Let's talk about, again, the importance of having a plan. Let's talk for a moment about Global Rescue, you brought that up. This is a pretty well-known membership organization that provides medical security, evacuation, travel risk, crisis management services. They kind of do it all. They're not the only ones. There's others like like Redpoint that are doing it. Uh, But you and I have have both been affiliated with and worked with Global Rescue specifically for years. Given our listeners kind of your take on the value of having this type of coverage when traveling. Yeah, uh, you can't put a value on it, right? I mean, the cost to begin with is, it's legit. I mean, it's not what people think when you talk to them. I mean, it's, but regardless of the cost. I mean, it, it, let's say you're going away, you get a 10-day coverage policy, it's probably a couple hundred dollars. D- yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, and a year, I mean, I, again, I think a year is not more than a couple of $300. Yeah, I mean, it's an ridiculous. annual membership. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously with some, I don't know, we don't read the fine print, but just it's part of the plan. It's not the plan. But again, if you have comms with this type of membership service, such as GR, man, when shit goes sideways, you just dial a number and everything, look, nothing goes perfect, but there's somebody on the other end that now goes from point A till you get home and brings you back gets in touch with hospitals along the way is, I mean, again, we don't, I didn't come out here to Montana without a policy in place. And I think in the fine print, it says that if you're something like 150 miles away from home and don't quote me on that, but it's something like that, you're covered. That's right. I mean, like I said, and I'm being dead serious. Well, you don't have to be in the middle of the Amazon. It can be the back country of your state, 150 miles away. That's right. And they will show up and cover. That's right. Or yeah. there, or somebody will show yeah. up and, yeah. and cover. But again, I was dead serious. I mean, I just came from the Outer Banks of North Carolina to Montana. My policy's in place. Yeah. Right. And I'm just sitting here in your house. 
And, and I will tell well, and, and we don't know what could <laughs> yeah, go wrong there. I'm glad I did, right. <laughs> Anything could happen. Right. Um, but, and again, sorry, but th- that's just part of the plan. We talked about a plan. We spend hours and hours researching where we're going to fish. I mean, you know, what we're going to bring, what lines, flies, hours. Spend 20 minutes on the sort of medical safety. I don't know if that's the right word, but just if the shit hits the fan, what are we going to do? What's your eventuality plan? That's right. I mean, something happens. We got a kit check. Um, man, where is a close clinic where we're going? Ooh. And I'm not talking about, it doesn't have to be Belize, Honduras. It can be Bozeman or not Bozeman, but you go fishing in Yellowstone. You know, do we have cell service when we get there? Just have a plan. Yeah. Really good advice. I will end on this. Um, you know, that global rescue policy that probably cost me a couple hundred dollars for that Bolivia trip Oh yeah. between all the medevac flights getting back to the States, the med jet flight back there. I had, had that bill fallen on my lap. It could have been a couple hundred thousand dollars. Oh, easy, easy. I think more actually. Yeah. And I think it in the end cost me $200 to get back to Miami. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Yeah, well, man. Good stuff. Um, as always, it's, it's so great to have you on the program. Um, your wisdom is invaluable. Um, I know it, it's helpful to our listeners. Uh, where can people contact you personally, Taylor? Learn more about your wilderness medicine courses and your consulting services. Cool. Finswest.com is the easiest place, and that's what I check the most. So that's F-I-N-N-S-W-E-S-T.com. This has been good. Thank you. Dude, thanks for having me, man. I'm glad that when I'm out here in Montana, I can stop by and have a, have well, not not guac, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no guacamole. Yeah, thanks for yeah. dinner. Glad to be here. All right, buddy. Thanks. Thank you, man. Well, that is it for this latest episode of Waypoints, the podcast that is 100% dedicated to travel and the search for adventure. Be sure to visit yellowdogflyfishing.com to plan and research your next fishing trip, source gear, equipment, and flies for your next destination, and stay up to date on the latest travel news and developments. Join us for our next episode, and remember, life is short and no one ever regretted a life of adventure. This has been another episode of Waypoints, the podcast of fly fishing travel and adventure angling. Waypoints is produced by Brian Gregson with music provided by the Steep Canyon Rangers. Visit yellowdogflyfishing.com for more destination profiles, travel news, and expert advice, and be sure to join us for our next episode.